Happy Friday to all, and not just a normal Friday. No, 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 no. This is the Friday before Thanksgiving. Yes. yes. It's time for our annual Thanksgiving episode. Can you believe it, Adam? It is our fourth Thanksgiving episode on the Speaking for Him podcast. I can't believe it, and still Th- hungry, too. Thanking God for over three years of ministry via this podcast. Thank you, Adam, for continuing to be here. Um, I think that overall... We are getting better all the time, and I just thank everyone who is now listening. If you're a new listener, there is a huge archive of old shows to go back and listen to and enjoy the fun we've had over the years. Um, well, as I was talking to Adam off mic before we began, there's kind of been a running joke between us, um, because every time we come in to do a Thanksgiving podcast, Adam jokes to me about the foods of Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, and and in previous times, I always thought, well, that's not a, a very spiritual um, part of Thanksgiving. But the idea of Thanksgiving is thankfulness, and I think that the food of Thanksgiving is something that we can really be thankful for, and definitely thankful to God for. So that's what we're focusing on today: is the foods of Thanksgiving. And before we dig in, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> to our topic at hand, let's let Adam give us a quote of the day. And hoping my old tongue works all right. <laughs> In as much as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that ye all pilgrims with your wives and ye little ones do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th of the year of our Lord, 1,623, in the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye pilgrim rock. There to listen to ye, pastor, and render thanksgiving to ye, almighty God, for all his blessings. That is from William Bradford, the ye governor of ye colony. Yes. Yeehaw. (laughs) Wow. This was was very reminiscent of the times that I have Adam read from the King James Bible. I might need two pieces of pie this Thanksgiving after reading that. I thank you for bearing with me on that. (laughs) Uh, And it's kind of interesting because... Um, I read something where it said that the, on the first Thanksgiving, women weren't really involved, that it was more of a, a men's like uh, get-together where they kind of um, had official business to discuss. I'm not sure how accurate that is, um, but uh, it looks here like this is kind of like a second or third Thanksgiving, and William Bradford is just saying we need to get together and enjoy our families and thank God for the blessings that he gave Um, because it was very hard going for the pilgrims back then. They sacrificed a lot um, to get religious freedom. And I think that a lot of that is lost on the average American citizen today. Um, A lot of people, as a matter of fact, um, we recently had Columbus day and I was so frustrated because a lot of people were saying, well, Columbus stole land from the Indians and he hated the Indians and uh, 
we should just leave, you know, we don't belong here because it was the Indian's land. And I'm sitting here thinking, but nobody that has this argument is voluntarily saying I'm going to leave the U.S. You know, we can't uh, be held responsible for what our forefathers did. There were good people and there were bad people in every era of society. And there were good reasons for coming over here and there were bad reasons for coming over here. There were probably good pilgrims and bad pilgrims, good Indians and bad Indians. So it's it's a bad idea to go too far either way. And I don't want to rant too much about that, so I'm just going to move on to what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the foods of Thanksgiving. And uh, so this should be pretty fun. We're kind of just going to go through your traditional Thanksgiving dinner and give you some facts about it. So Adam, why don't you start with turkey? I'm going to find as many excuses to play that sounder as we can during the podcast today. 88% of Americans eat turkey for Thanksgiving. This is interesting to me because at first I'm like, oh, 88%. That's that's a big number. That's a lot. It's like a B plus. But I'm curious, what do 12% of Americans eat? <laughs> this is interesting, too, because I'll, I'll tell you something. I I have heard a lot of people joke about tofurkey. <laughs> yes. And actually, tofurkey is, I guess, a whole um, tofu tofu meat brand. I yeah, guess. it's real. But Sadly, the, but <laughs> but there are tofurkeys, and I tried to look up the percentage of people that eat tofurkey just as an interesting off the wall statistic. I could not find it anywhere. But if eighty eight percent eat turkey, then the tofurkeyans fit somewhere in those <laughs> in that twelve percent. And I would imagine that um, some people who don't have families um, don't necessarily spend a lot of time thinking about the traditional Thanksgiving uh, dinner. So if anybody has any insight on what the other 12% eat, maybe you don't eat turkey for Thanksgiving, get on our Facebook page and tell us what you do eat for Thanksgiving. I'd love to hear that. So, And actually, I think there's going to be a lot of reasons to interact with our Facebook page from this episode because I'm I'm going to ask for similar requests about some of the other foods that we're talking about just to get some ideas on your Thanksgiving traditions. So point your Facebook to uh, facebook.com slash speaking for him and interact with the show. All right, go ahead, Adam, and continue. I thought it was interesting, too, that the first Thanksgiving historians actually weren't able to pinpoint if there was like a specific kind of turkey at that meal. They actually got the info from a letter written by Pilgrim Edward Winslow that mentions a turkey hunting trip before the meal. So that there's no like, you know, drawing or picture that there was this turkey big fowl on, on the table. They just uh, kind of got that from the hunting trip. So I, that's interesting. Like what, it, what if it was chicken? What if it was like, you know, you know a big steak or something? It, it's, it's very interesting. I'm not sure what kind of fowl it was. At the very first Thanksgiving. Maybe it was Tofurky. Who knows? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm not sure if tofu was invented or discovered or whatever tofu is. I'm not even sure what tofu is here. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure if it was in use at that time. Um, so um, another thing about turkey, one of the reasons that it was popular, I'm just going to throw this out there, is that um, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens was published in 1843. 
And when that was published, um, one of the things that Scrooge does is he gives the Cratchits a big turkey. And so from that, turkey became um, more popular as well for the holiday table, mm-hmm. either Thanksgiving or Christmas. So that's just another freebie for you on that. Um, the next thing on our menu is stuffing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? No table is complete without it. And once again, looking back at the first couple Thanksgivings, there's actually no way of knowing whether the pilgrims actually serve stuffing at the original harvest uh, feast. But given the abundance of both wild game and rice, it's likely that the first Thanksgiving dinner featured some kind of bird and a, a wild rice dish alongside it. And I never knew this, Andrew, but there's actually like different kinds of stuffings out there. It's not just what you get from stovetop. Uh, there's also uh, Boston cookbooks like are known for oyster-based stuffings that became popular throughout time from even the, like the 1600s, 1700s. Um, there's also special ones with leftover mashed potatoes that you mix with create, created fillings. It, it's interesting. I, I never knew that. I thought there was just kind of one way of making thanks, or Thanksgiving stuffing, which was the brown stuff you usually eat. It's also interesting how regionally the name changes because some people call it stuffing. Some people call it filling some people call it dressing yeah um i just call it really good food (laughs) Uh, i call it seconds so and 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 i guess depending on what it's what is in it makes it better or worse um you know so like you said people have different varieties of stuffing and and some of it seems to be just putting a bunch of hodgepodge stuff together and it might not be necessarily as good um, as some other stuffings, but that's just kind of interesting. And then, uh, uh, I just think some of the interesting things about, um, using leftovers, like leftover sourdough to create a bread base, bread base and add a tang to the turkey, um, and cooks in the Pacific Northwest use seafood. You were mentioning oyster Oysters, but there's also clams used and mussels, which I don't know if I've ever had a mussel. I haven't either. Um, so, and just um, just a bunch of uh, different things. And there's even one that um, talks from San Francisco, I think, from that talks about sourdough and Dutch apples Ooh. Um, with having to do with stuffing. So that makes it a kind of a sweeter thing, uh, kind of more of a dessertish stuffing, if you will. And that kind of leads us to our third member of the Thanksgiving traditional table, and that is cranberry sauce. Mm. Can't go wrong with this one at all. Do you ever do the thing where you have like a bite of turkey and a bite of cranberry sauce on the same fork? I was never a huge cranberry sauce person. I think I'm growing into it more as I have become an adult. Um, but I was never never huge on the cranberry sauce. But why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, cranberry is uh, cranberries are actually native to North America, and as a wild perennial, uh, perennial, we know that Native Americans use cranberries as both food and medicine. So this was used for many different things before it was just another Thanksgiving side dish. Uh, it was widely accepted that the pilgrims were introduced to the berry and its many uses by uh, the Native Americans in making the case for cranberries at the first Thanksgiving meal. A stronger one. So interestingly, interestingly enough, it wasn't even like a, a side dish to start. It was used for for medicines and and for other sources as the Native Americans used them. 
Yeah, it it is interesting, and uh, it's a cranberries um, as a sauce and accompaniment to meat have been documented as a part of American culinary history as early as the 19th century. Um, so we're talking about the 1800s, um, and recipes vary with instructions as simple as take cranberries and and stew with sugar. To more involved productions that mold stewed cranberries into shapes. Now, I've never had a shaped cranberry sauce on the table, but that sounds kind of interesting depending on what you do with it. Yeah, I feel bad eating it after all that work. It could go many different directions. All right. Well, we covered turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce. But what meal, Thanksgiving particularly, would be complete without either mashed potatoes or sweet potatoes. Um, now this, when I was doing the research for this, it, it, it kind of started out talking about sweet potato pie. I, I don't get into the sweet potato pie. I'm not a big sweet potato person. But um, that the, I, the thought is that um, back when it originated, there was likely a lot of a lot of pumpkin. The first Thanksgiving had a lot of pumpkin, likely, but not a sweet potato in sight. And uh, um, but we we uh, use um, both sweet potatoes and pumpkin. Um, and the interesting thing about that is, and we'll get into pies in a few minutes, but they wouldn't probably have had pie as a as a rule in those early Thanksgivings because they wouldn't necessarily have had the resources to have the stuff to make the crust. Um, but, uh... So it's kind of like a, a pumpkin casserole, if you will, with, like, no crust or anything. And as I was kind of alluding to, the first Thanksgiving would not have had um, sweet potatoes um, because they didn't grow that well. Um... Uh, Indians in the southern part of the soon-to-be United States and in South America would eat them, but not in the part where they landed in Plymouth. Um, so, so pumpkin pie uh, definitely predated sweet potato pie on the Thanksgiving table. Um, was there anything more about sweet potatoes that you wanted yeah, an interesting thing is uh, sweet potatoes became part of the Thanksgiving tradition like more than 150 years after the first one. I didn't realize that sweet potatoes were so far behind of catching up <laughs> compared to nowadays because, you know, every table you, you go to in America on Thanksgiving Day, I mean, there's a sweet potato casserole or sweet potato pie like we we're mentioning. So it actually it was over a century before sweet potatoes and sweet potato pies really made its uh, walk on stage on the Thanksgiving dinner uh, for Thanksgiving. Um, and mashed potatoes, moving along to my favorite potato. <laughs> mashed potatoes became an American staple in the 1700s. And potatoes are easy to grow, filling, healthy, and affordable. Now, this is one of those interesting things. I think I think potatoes are one of those things that you can eat healthy. Yeah. But who wants to eat a potato healthy? <laughs> like they say that the French fry is the... Number one vegetable in America. <laughs> um, one of the few supersized vegetables we sell. But if you eat a potato correctly, 
it can be healthy, I guess. Um, and as far back as 1747, Americans were mashing up potatoes with butter, milk, salt, and cream and dishing them on the Thanksgiving table. And um, we continue to enjoy both sweet potatoes and mashed potatoes on our Thanksgiving table. Uh, so do you usually have both of those, Adam? We Oh, definitely. My mom makes mashed potatoes, and she'll actually put a little bit of sour cream and milk in it and mix it together, and it gives it this really good just uh, taste with some uh, garlic. Um, I think it's garlic salt on the top, and it's just it blows your mind away. Pilgrims would be so jealous. Now, does she do the marshmallows in the in the sweet potatoes too? You know what? I don't know if she does marshmallows, but she pretty much <laughs> puts everything else in the cupboard in the sweet potato casserole that she makes. But I mean, she puts in uh, uh, vanilla and cream, and she does this crust on the top, and it's it's almost dessert in itself. It's so good. It's it, besides the turkey, it's like my favorite side dish every Thanksgiving, and it's fantastic. But I may have to bring up marshmallows to her this year. I, I almost wished we could have. Uh, at least picked a couple family recipes that we could post on the blog um, for our Thanksgiving episode. We will not have those, but we will have links to the websites that we're referencing for this show, and there is some interesting food information on those, along with, um, I think, a few recipes possibly. So keep an eye out for the blog for the source material. Um that we're using and like i said i just i just really love a good mound of, of mashed potatoes and uh so you guys do gravy yeah the gravy is good but i'm content with just butter <laughs> you know <laughs> the classic gravy is good but 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 butter with my mashed potatoes is awesome all right the 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 capstone if you will <laughs> To a good Thanksgiving dinner is the pie. Mm-hmm. Now, this was an interesting one for me because I was specifically looking for the origins of the pumpkin pie. You know, I kind of got into it on the sweet pot- when we were talking about sweet potatoes and mashed potatoes because um, they're related, kind of, the sweet potato pie and the pumpkin pie. And I couldn't find an awful lot on the origins of the pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. But I did find some interesting stuff about pies. And Adam, why don't you share a few things? It's interesting. Uh, It sounds like uh, the pilgrims were introduced to this once they came over here to America. And it said the surrounding countryside offered the newcomers a rich array of fillings, not only fruits and berries that were uh, to those they knew back home, but also unknown vegetables and game they discovered with the help of Indians. And the pilgrims brought apple spurs with them as well and you know, when they matured into flourishing fruit-bearing trees after a few years and they planted them, apple pie quickly dominated the American table because the abundant fruit was easy to dry and they, you know, could store them in barrels and they'd stay fresh throughout the winter. So it sounds like pie was really introduced to them once they were over here, that they, they got the crops, and then this whole filling idea started. Well, we put filling in, in, in crust, what? And then the, the idea just kind of took off from there. Yeah, and you can do so many things with pies. Um, um It says that pumpkin pies and pies sweetened with maple syrup were a specific, were more specifically enjoyed in the northern states. Um, and Native Americans taught settlers how to extract 
sap from maple trees, which I'm not a big maple guy, but in combination with other things, I'm sure I, I know that it's better because um, I do like a good maple sausage. Yes. But maple sausage, at least as a general staple, did not make it onto the Thanksgiving table, so we won't <laughs> go there right now. But I will say that this podcast may be inspiring future food-themed podcasts if we uh, decide to go that direction. Um, other than being very hungry, I think they're very. This is very informative. <laughs> so, and then, uh, why don't you tell us about chess pie? Because I thought this was pretty interesting. Mm, I was reading before the show, and I almost started eating the paper. Chess pie was popular in the South. It's a silky pie with a rich filling of sugar, cream of buttermilk, egg, and sometimes even bourbon. So, I guess it's a tough day pie. And uh, the Pennsylvania <laughs> Dutch made molasses shoe fly pies, as well as stew-like savory meat pies known as bot boy or pot pie. So some interesting pie traditions that even I wasn't aware of that uh, you may be able to give the kids or not. I'm not sure. Yeah, and like I said, I was looking specifically for stuff about pumpkin pie, and there there is a little bit of uh, time where a little bit we've talked about with pumpkin pie, but I didn't find a whole lot. But I did notice as I was researching it that there was a famous song called Over the River and Through the Woods, which people typically kind of sing as a Christmas song. But if you read the actual poem, you know that one of the lines is hurrah for Thanksgiving Day. So it's actually a Thanksgiving poem. And another line mentions that there that she's that the writer is excited to get to grandma's to have the pumpkin pie, so perhaps that poem, um, over the river and through the woods, I had a direct correlation to the way that we view pumpkin pie as a Thanksgiving staple. Now, personally, my favorite Thanksgiving pie is the pecan pie, and my sister Hope has perfected pecan pie. She <laughs> makes several. Every holiday season, Ooh. and it's just her thing, and I love it. <laughs> and the best part about it to me is, like, when you start out eating, you're like, I'm going to eat. I could eat two or three pieces of this. Oh, yeah. But it's so rich that you never eat more than one piece in a sitting, which is kind of a really good thing because otherwise, you know, who knows what might happen. Yeah, <laughs> be in but, trouble. But, um, and it's kind of interesting what... Uh, this says, um, I just want to read a little bit from The Good Housekeeper in 1841. Because in the 18, 1840s, Sarah, Sarah Josepha Hale um, talked about the danger of eating too much pie. And here's what she said. Pies are more apt to prove injurious to persons of delicate constitutions than puddings because of the indigestible nature of the pastry. Those who eat much of this kind of food when made rich, and poor pies are poor things indeed, usually complain about the laws of appetite and feel a disrelish for any kind of any kind but high-seasoned food. It would really be a great improvement in the matter of health if people would eat their delicious summer fruits with good light bread instead of working up the flour with water and butter to a compound that almost defies the digestive powers and baking therein the fruits till they lost nearly all their fine original flavor. So in the 1840s, um, because of good housekeeping, which I did not know was that old, um, but uh, or the good housekeeper, I guess, that's not good housekeeping magazine, but 
high kind of went down because of this article. So apparently she had sway. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting because pie has always been a part of my growing up. Yeah. Um, and the, thing, the fact of the matter is, is it's it's dessert. Right. So it's not going to be healthy anyway. Um, it's kind of like um, when when they put out low-fat Oreos in the stores. If you want to get rid of the fat in your diet, quit the Oreos. Yeah, period. But going for a low-fat Oreo because you think you're going to somehow get healthy eating Oreos is just not a good plan. Yeah, so nice try. I think the it's kind of weird, the, this whole conversation, because we're talking about pie and then saying, you know, that... It's it's bad for you, um, but it is a dessert, so it's not necessarily supposed to be healthy for you. It's just supposed to be fun and delicious. Yes. So, um, and then it, and then just quickly ending here. Um, by the early nineteen eighties, um, now I'm not sure if that was was that eighteen forties or nineteen forties. I think it was eighteen forties. Sounds like there was a big gap between the 1840s and World I was War II. I was going to say, it seems like, so basically, according to this research, anyway, um, that seems like a long gap, 140 <laughs> years where people didn't eat much pie. Yeah, that, but <laughs> that seems according impossible. According to this research um, that I found, it says, by the early 1980s, pies were rediscovered as Americans explored their culinary roots, and they eventually made a successful comeback into the American food culture. Now prides, pies are embraced and celebrated as a symbol of America's abundance. In fact, one of the most popular days for baking and eating pies in America is the 4th of July, our nation's birthday. Which I find interesting just because it's usually so hot on July 4th that who would want to be in a kitchen <laughs> slaving over a hot stove and making, making a hot pie. pie? At least when you're making pies um, in uh, uh, November, it warms up the house, especially if you cook on a wood stove like my family does a lot of times in the winter so you have to keep the stove going which means you have to add more wood which means the house is warmer yeah and it smells good yeah it's a real plus plus fresh wood and pie you can't go wrong with that so adam what do you think of our journey through the thanksgiving table today oh boy i i wish we had a real one (laughs) right in front of us right over the board with all that food we just talked about but Mm, you know, it g- gives me ideas too. There's like, oh, there's some new Thanksgiving foods I want to try that I, I've never, especially the sweet potato casserole ideas. I'm like, ooh, that and next good. year we'll do a crock pot Thanksgiving. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Perfect. That means we'll have leftovers uh, through February. I, I have to get crock pot jokes in when I can. Yeah, Adam's, Adam's big on the crock pot. Oh, always. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just there's a lot of good food associated with Thanksgiving and. It's just a reminder of God's blessing. God is so good to us, and even though even those who struggle the most of us here in the United States have a lot to be thankful for, and especially here in West Michigan, there are a lot of homeless shelters and ways for the homeless to get help. And if you and if you really want to um, help out, I would encourage you to jump on Google and look up like Mel Trotter guiding light mission and just see if you can help out um at some point in their holiday plans 
but also to know that they need help all year round, mm-hmm. not just in those times, and perhaps especially in other times, because in some ways it seems like everybody and their brother wants to help out on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I remember when I was a volunteer coordinator for Guiding Light Mission, that was the easiest day in some ways to get people to volunteer. You could have had five or six groups in. Oh, yeah. But we need help the other 364 days besides Thanksgiving as well, or or they do. So please keep that in mind as you are going about your Thanksgiving and your holiday season. All right. Well, the time has come. It's the one time a year when I delve into sports momentarily on the Speaking for Him podcast. As a lifelong Lions fan, I never know how things are going to be as we get to this portion. And because I'm recording ahead, I won't know what the Lions' exact record is as we uh, are sitting down to have this conversation. But the Lions started out this year 0-5. And as a Lions fan, uh, as a Lions fan, thank you, Adam. <laughs> Sorry. That, <laughs> that is one. very uh, disappointing. However, I do have to say that as a realistic Lions fan, I was disappointed but not shocked because the Lion- I looked at the schedule and I noticed that it was one of the toughest schedules that I ever remember them having. Three of their first four games were on the road. They had a Sunday night game. Um, they had a... Sunday night game and a Monday night game really close together in that first group of games. Um, They play, like I said, they played, I think they played two road games before they even had their home opener. They played against teams that um, at least come close to, uh, close to qualifying for the playoffs on a fairly um, consistent basis. It, it was not a favorable schedule. Um, that being said, I did not anticipate 0-5 to start out. And I was very excited when they beat the Bears in Game 6, uh, even though it had to go almost to the end of overtime for them to do it. Thank you, Matt Prater, for that <laughs> winning field goal. And uh, I hope that it's a sign of things to come. This Thanksgiving, they are playing the Eagles. And the Eagles are kind of like another version of the Lions because you never know what team is going to show up. They can get thrashed by um, several points, or they can win by several points. Uh, one of the recent games, um, I think they won by like four scores. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to see the Lions do that. You know, that's what every Lions fan wants, is for the Lions to get to the point where they're doing that on a regular basis. Right. Because it seems like even when they win, they're eking out wins. Mm-hmm. They're not really putting the pedals to the metal and just winning because they're winning. So, I am going to say that I hope the Lions win this Thanksgiving. They've won the last two Thanksgivings, so that part bodes well for them. Um, and But I, I don't know which way this is going to go, but I'm just going to throw out a score of 24-10 Lions over Eagles. Now, I'm hoping that the Lions show up and play, they'll be at home, they get the home game every Thanksgiving, and like I said, they've won the last two, I think against Green Bay two years ago and then Minnesota last year. And so it's time to play the Eagles on Thanksgiving and win. So that is my one, my 
I can't say one because I've had other sports related interviews and stuff. Um, but my main uh, departure from what speaking for him does to talk a little bit about sports, is to talk about the Lions and go Lions over um, the Eagles um, next week on Thanksgiving Day. So that's that's um, my my sports thoughts. All right. Well, Adam, as we wrap up this podcast, we've got it's kind of been a different podcast. Um, we've talked a lot about food, which is one of our favorite topics off mic. Yes. This is the first time we brought it to the mics, and I think it was pretty interesting, pretty informative, and I'm very hungry right now. <laughs> yeah. So, I hear you. But I think it's important also that we give thanks. So, Adam, what are you most thankful for this year? Um, or a couple things that you're thankful for this year as you reflect on Thanksgiving. I am just thankful for life. I'm thankful that God has blessed me with the people in my life that I have. Family, friends, Andrew, of course. Um, I'm blessed for my job, my calling. Uh, God's really allowed this to be a year where I've learned a lot about myself. Uh, have found more confidence in him, which has allowed me to come out of my shell more and, and, and do more than I thought I, I would really ever do certain things. I'm like, Oh, I, I would never go in front of people and talk or, you know, talk on a microphone, but like it's giving me the confidence to do that. So, uh, just thankful for life where he's leading me and, uh, for pie, of course, much pie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, just thankful for his many blessings that continue to just, yeah. Last year at this time, Adam was not a morning show host. No, that's crazy. I didn't even think about that, but he it's true. was not on buses all over Grand Rapids. <laughs> Which I don't think I've ever been on an actual bus in Grand Rapids, ironically, inside one, but, you know. Uh, oh, oh I, I got that. <laughs> took me a minute, but I got it. No, Adam, Adam, WJQ has done some promotional shots with Adam and Cece, and several of them have been placed on rapid buses here in the Grand Rapids, West Michigan area. And so people have taken occasional pictures of Adam on the bus and then tagged him in them <laughs> saying, we're proud of you, Adam. You know, I know your dad posted one mm-hmm. and it's just neat to see, um, how God has allowed you to fulfill your, your dreams. And it's a good encouragement to me to keep on going, to keep on doing what I'm doing because I know that it's the right thing, even though the results aren't always what I would like them to be. And so I wanted to let you know that that's encouraging to me. And uh, I'm very blessed that you have continued to work on the podcast, even with, in a lot of ways, your added responsibilities, more remotes, which also include food sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of hoping that it won't be too long until you guys are um, doing a remote at the, at the Anna's house in Holland, Michigan, because uh, you're supposed to be getting one. Uh, I think we'll, oh. we will be after New Year's. So uh-huh. once you, you finally digest your Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. first week of January comes, you'll have room for Anna's house in Holland. So, so we'll, you know, I will definitely keep you posted on my Facebook if I hear about the the radio remote that Adam will be involved in. Um, and if it's anything like the last time, Adam's going to have to wear a bigger shirt. <laughs> yeah, no no but, jeans with a button this time. But we're digressing a little bit, but I, I just wanted to say that I, I'm very thankful that Adam continues to produce the podcast. Thankful to my mom and my sisters um, who 
drive me to the studio every few weeks to do this podcast. Thankful so much to all the guests that have invested in this podcast, specifically to Naomi Van Harn, who's here three or four times a year. Yes, thank you. Doing the book club podcast and thankful to Brad Lanzer of Lanzer Broadcasting, who is a silent sponsor of this podcast. Without the studio time and this equipment, this podcast would not uh, sound nearly as good as it is. So thank you, Brad, for that. Um, and I just want to also thank, thank Ace and Jeff for their encouragement. I don't get to talk to them that much, but they are very encouraging when I do. And so I thank them for um, sharing the passion uh, for radio that we do. Uh, I could just keep going on and on. And I know that you guys want to go on to your next podcast. So I, I won't uh, continue to ramble, but I'm just so thankful for the people that God has placed in my life. Um, and they've helped me get through some pretty rough times too. And, and, you know, we need each other. I think that's the, the biggest lesson that I'm learning all the time is that we need other people. Um, and this show would not be what it is without the myriad of people that never um, get on the mic but have encouraged me to do this and to keep going. And uh, I just want to thank you all and thank the Lord for giving me a voice and allowing me to use it for his glory. Um uh, I want to echo the psalmist who says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. My prayer for you this Thanksgiving is that you have experienced the mercy of God. If you have not, call out to Jesus Christ in faith and become a part of his family today. That would be the best Thanksgiving gift you could ever receive. For the Speaking for Him podcast, this is Andrew Gomison saying, Keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.